Welcome to the Freedom to Coach podcast with Gemma and Makala. We're both coaches and entrepreneurs, passionate about teaching you how to set up and run your coaching business, create more time and manage your mind. Because you're changing the world, one mind at a time. Hi, it's Makala here. Gemma and I just wanted to let you know that we have some special webinars and workshops coming up. So if you'd like to stay in the loop, then jump onto our website, www.freedomtocoach.com.au forward slash subscribe and join our mailing list so you don't miss out. Hello, beautiful coaches. Welcome to episode 20 of the Freedom to Coach podcast. Today, I am talking with the wonderful Kate Osborne. Um, I've actually spoken with Kate recently. We've had her on our Work Wife Wine Time podcast and I thought she was so fabulous that I wanted to bring her on to Freedom to Coach so we can talk about Kate's experience as a coach, what she does, why she does it, um, just to really give our listeners an, an idea or an insight into the different ways that you can use coaching and the different kind of coaching that there is because um, there are so many different coaching programs and so many different ways you can do it and so I thought I'd bring Kate along to talk to us so welcome Kate. Thank you thank you for having me I'm really excited to share. That is my absolute pleasure I'm so pleased you're here. So Kate my first question for you is how did you get into coaching? I was poached into coaching I couldn't believe people paid money to have cups of tea that's how I, my impression when I first heard about what the organisation was doing. So um, it was back in 2001. I had um, two flight centres and I had the corporate travel account for the world's largest coaching company. And so I was flying the, um, the men that were scaling this business around the world every six weeks. So it was a wonderful corporate account. And um, I guess lucky for me, every time they went away, there was a problem. Um, and one of the major problems was September 11. They had um, 60 franchisees stuck all over the globe trying to get to Las Vegas in a country that, you know, obviously was um, uh, in incredible shutdown at that time. Devastated. And, yeah. So the way that um, my team handled their challenge um, sort of brought me to the forefront and then I started working directly with the the CFO and the chief operations manager and um, look they just approached me they said we can see that female founders will be the new frontier women in leadership um, we've been trying to attract women into the coaching you know sort of game for a long time and we can't seem to attract any um, so they sort of started, you know, I guess it was a full poaching exercise. They just essentially said, write your own contract and we'll sign it. Wow. So it was a really interesting process that I was, you know, looking at this organisation. They had at that stage 629 men. They were growing at an incredibly rapid rate of around 26 every six weeks um, across five different continents. Um, and they had one woman in Canada earning a professional income and one in New Zealand, but they just couldn't crack the female leadership market. And uh, so I took a real leap of faith and that's how I joined coaching. I was, I was a completely oblivious that it was an industry and um, I just jumped in, did their 10-day training um, and 
just thought, where has this been all my life? I absolutely loved it. it, it it's amazing <laughs> you got into it. But I yeah. suppose my question is, like, how did you find, you know, obviously you you had a lot of leadership skills leading your team and doing yeah. such a good job in such a trying time. How did you find the transition from just being a boss um, and a leader to actually coaching people? Like I um, I focused on my strengths. So I mm-hmm. guess, you know, obviously the niche was women. Yep. Uh, none of them could say they were a woman because they weren't. So I focused very heavily on, you know, why a female is a great opportunity to tell your secrets to. I've got a double major in psychology. So I understood confidentiality and I was, mm. I was quite attuned at the flights in a leadership level on running small teams. Yep. And so um, I guess, you know, I followed the franchise system to the key. Like I, I, I would say I was an absolute student of the system and, um, and most of my, so there was 26 in my cohort they said to us on the second day, only three of you will make it. And wow. I can remember feeling like, I wonder who the other two will be. Like, <laughs> I just wonder who. And so well, as we left that session, I had these men saying, oh, well, it'll be you. You'll be one of them. And I was like, yeah, I'll be one of them. Like straight away, I just, I, I fell into the organisation in a, in a right time for me. I had strong sales and leadership background. And I thought, my God, the scope is any business owner with a team. And so, you know, I recognised, well, you know, where I had based my original businesses was in the city, Brisbane City. Um, and so I, I understood the abundance mentality. Like if, if every um, coaching organisation reached potential, most coaches could only work with 10 clients and every accountant had 2,000 clients. So that meant every accountant on the planet would need hundreds of coaches to service just their one database. And it really shifted my mindset to say, this is, this is an abundance game we're talking. We're going to need a trillion coaches if we're to do the work on the planet that we need to do. So I set about trying to increase the number of women, triple the number of intake, and we achieved that in a two-year period. And then I came on as a coach's coach. So they would have me speak at all the conferences. My office was like the prototype, how to run a successful coaching business. So they had film crews in there. We built all the systems and all the structures for the organization to scale. And, you know, I had all the significance that I needed. I was 29 years old and, you know, running a team of, um, we had nine coaches, 90 clients. I had a full-time management team, events coordinator, operations manager, telemarketing team. You know, we, we really took it as far as we could. Um, and so, yeah, it was a great entry into coaching, being in a large organisation with a lot of men because men don't really cap their income potential. And if I could see them doing it, like I would fly to the top offices and go, oh, I'll just emulate that, right? So what they were doing in California, what they were doing in London, and I'd just R&D it, right? Rip off and deliver. I would just (laughs) say, I'm going to do what you're doing. And in non-competitive markets, people were very abundant. Canadian coaches helped me. Um, Yeah, so I guess at 29, my coaching business was 
it was a schmick business. Um, we, we started to collaborate a lot more and sort of become much more abundant with sharing our intellectual property. And I sat very much in the culture heart center space. And that's where, you know, I, what was my happy place. There was 1300 franchisees and I was sort of managing the culture of that movement. Wow. Mm. So how does what you did then, yes. how does that differ from what you do now? Well, so how many years later yeah, are we now? Yeah, so that is 15 years ago. Wow, yep. Um, so what I started to recognise, that sense of abundance that I had uh, was definitely unique to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started to identify, um, you know, particular leaders had that tit-for-tat attitude They'll take everything I had, but wouldn't give away anything that they had. You know, I started to really um, explore with the franchisees um, from a spiritual level. Like, how come some of the clients that we had that really had a strong faith were getting triple the profit than some of the clients that had no faith, right? And I went down what I would call a freaky trail where I started to, like as a psychologist, pull the data and really look at what is the success quotient? Like what, what is success for people? What's emotional intelligence versus actual IQ intelligence? So emotional intelligence we know is different than IQ. Yep. Um, and I came up with a third space. And my third space was a soul quotient. You know, if someone's destined to be successful, it's almost like they don't have to do anything. They're on the path and you can't stop that success. Whereas other people had all their ducks in a row and their whole business would come crashing down and they'd get cancer and divorced. So I really started to question like statistically what success was and, and challenge the coaches to just open their minds to perhaps we should coach different businesses different ways and different business owners to their strengths. And um, I guess what happened is I went way off brand. That's what happened. I was I was doing work that wasn't in that, business coach IQ space where everyone was comfortable yep and I grew bored of that IQ space right I, I just thought ah you know we can make people rich but if they're not joy-filled if they're not grateful if they're not giving back to the community and they're not happy what's the point and I just grew tired of getting people rich right and you know it's sort of there's a story a guy came into our program we increased his net worth 77 times in one year So he had huge growth and then he got greedy, like really greedy. And I remember challenging him and he's like, oh, I'm too far gone anyway. Everyone hates me, Kate. Like, I don't care. I just don't care. And I just, I started to recognize like the systems we developed were working so well, but why was I doing what I was doing? What's the purpose of what I'm doing? And so I sat down with my team and we identified what we wanted to create was healthy, enlightened millionaires. You know, there was, there was no point creating someone rich if they didn't have their health. And we were seeing clients, you know, get caught up in, um, you know, huge amounts of anxiety, um, physical ailments, you know, strokes, heart attacks. Um, one of my clients was having, she could never drive a car. She had three businesses, but she couldn't play with her children. Um, she was clinically obese, but she wouldn't do anything about her health. And so to me, I thought, what's the point? You've got all this money but your six-year-old kid can't run up a hill with you or can't be in a car with you because she was having mini heart attacks from the pressure. 
And so, you know, I just, I think I, I really took myself out of that race to go, I could see where they were all headed and I was climbing the wrong mountain. I didn't like the view from the top. And, um, and so, you know, my exit out of there was healthy for me because I realized I had a bit of a movement happening at that stage. I had a lot of culture around what I was doing. I didn't market for two years upon exit. And I moved to the Gold Coast where I really wanted to raise my family. I had three kids in four years and, you know, I just let coaching evolve organically. And that took me into a completely different business model, a completely different space where I sort of became a collaborative expert. I got brought in um, on a book series for the coaches producing the most number of millionaires. Uh, When they approached me to do that, I said, I'm not really interested to pay any money. I would market myself out of business. Um, They sort of went away and they came back when there was one chapter left to publish. And they said, we really want you in this book because we don't have any specialists in franchising. And I said, well, I'll do it on consignment. Like you put me in the book. As soon as I make a sale, I'll pay you. That book made me $35,000 in the first six months. It wow. got, picked, got picked up in all the airports. It got picked up at Westpac. Um, the clients who rang me from that chapter were a much higher caliber than I'd ever worked with before. And um, so, so that took me down a different route, doing more um, coaching for the Chamber of Commerce, Westpac premium brand um, and government work. So, the, you know, I was still working my two and a half days a week. I was just doing it at a higher average dollar sale and I was doing it um, in a more leveraged way. So very different than my franchise business with big team, big numbers. I became much more um, niched in my market and really enjoyed it. Niching is something we talk about a lot. That really is key, isn't it, in finding the work that you do and the people that you want to work with and creating the success there. Yeah, and it builds your confidence too. So, you know, for me, sales, I always fell back. Whenever I hit a slum and I forgot why I was doing it, going back into just reminding people why they love being in business and who their audience are, whether they're customers or service providers. Um, So I started in sales Um, But then that led me to say, well, there's no good doing sales training if your marketing's not right. And there's no good doing marketing if you haven't got a good financial model because you lose your salespeople. And and so I guess I morphed my coaching business then into a very generalist practice. And that's where I'm sitting now. So I have a, it's it's called Coco Matrix. It's a generalist coaching model that's a one-stop shop, fix everything. So I go into organisations that are scaling quickly, especially with COVID. There's been a real need for collaboration because no leaders led through this market before. And they bring me in. I give everyone two post-it notes. You know, what's the one fire we need to put out today if you owned this business? And what's the one opportunity we're missing? And we lay them across this framework called Coco Matrix. And it essentially... It it lets the leadership team see if everything clusters, we've got a big fire that's broken out that we need to address immediately. And so we go there and we collaborate on active solutions and I coach them through the accountability part. And um, so that's that's sort of been my pet project in this last 
two years during COVID and um, I'm just working retainer-based with clients and we're just about to launch. It's it's a 10-week mastery program from end to end of for the leader. And, um, yeah, so that's what I'm busy sort of working on right now. A couple of questions I want to ask you. I'm just trying to work out which one to do first. Yeah. So with, with the, this mastery program that you're working on, yes. Um, how we've we've talked a bit before on the podcast about um, actually I've recorded the episode before. I'm not quite sure when it goes live, yes. but about creating programs. Yes, you know, and how you go about doing that. What was the process you had for creating? Yeah, so I program? used a lean startup. Mm-hmm. So lean startup means I went to the market and identified a problem. And I picked three businesses that were scaling quickly. And their problem was that they didn't understand in sequence where their um, scale needed to come from. So I charged them a retainer and the retainer was five and a half thousand per month. There was three businesses. One was a water management solutions engineering firm that had sort of cracked reverse osmosis on a, on a communal scale. So they had a very niche engineering solution. Then I had Studio Pilates, which is a Pilates um, studio, which is underneath chandeliers. I'd worked with them since inception. So they were wanting to scale. And then um, Cherry Blooms, who was Telstra Woman of the Year, Jelaine D. And she had this um, beautiful product, which was um, false eyelashes made from beeswax. And she just secured distribution to 90 Nordstrom stores in the US and manufactured out of China. And so I, I bought them together and I said, look, you know, we can leverage by pooling the $15,000 and paying the best of the best to come in and teach us in order to scale globally, what do we need to ask and in what order? So the first week we had a lawyer and this lawyer had worked with me through Griffith University Excellence in Scaling. So he was a very specialist lawyer and we put the challenge to him to give us the questions if he could create a roadmap, what would the competencies be from a legal perspective? And then the next week I brought in a product specialist and he, the lawyer came back. He said, well, I want to hear what the product specialist says. The product specialist gave us the next sequence of competencies and questions. And then we brought in a CFO, like a really great financial um, accountant to say, what are the next natural questions? And after eight weeks, we'd gone through each of the competencies and all the experts had kept coming back because they're like, we want to see where these companies go. I wanted to know more, yep. Yeah, and so that's how I did it. I I charged my clients to build the intel, to build the framework, and then we got our tested model, right? So Studio Pilates, I've just come from there, have 67 franchises now across the world. Um, They will just launch UK. They'll get to 2,000 locations. So, you know, it it worked for them. Core Water, are still the specialists in what they do and they've got some exciting news that's coming but they will um you know he's 72 so he's looking now realistically at an exit and um cherry blooms uh essentially um scaled too quickly and uh, they had a, a problem with their distribution and the the actual product that we built predicted sure failure for her business So we could see she would fail. It was just a matter of when she would fail. And so she had to milk the market as much as she could. And when she failed, she failed spectacularly and went and had another baby. Like we do as women, we go, well, yeah, 
we go, okay, well, you know, we learned something and, and she's back on her horse and she's doing amazing things. But, you know, business, women get all caught up in the emotions of business. Men seem to see it as black and white. And what Coco Matrix has taught me is as women, we need to become more resilient and put boundaries down. And if the plan doesn't look like it's financial, pull it back, stop doing what you're doing, pull up stumps and, you know, and think of something new. And that's what this course is really helping women entrepreneurs to become more resilient. Um, so, so yeah, that's how I came up with it. Fantastic. So it, it really is about knowing your client so well and yep. really understanding the problem and then addressing yeah. that problem. Yeah, and I do like probably go too deep in getting to know my clients. Sometimes my husband's like, really, you're helping them fertility issues and <laughs> troubles and you're sorting out their mother. And it's like, but yeah, that's to me, like I'm all in. Yeah. I'm just, my heart's in there. And if someone's having a problem in their marriage, it's going to affect their leadership. So, you know, that we would need to sort that irritation before they walk into their business. So, you know, I am an all-in coach and I've been criticised for that many times, but I, I don't apologise for it. I love it. That's, that's my secret sauce. Yep. No, that's awesome. So, Kate, what is your why for your business? What is your current why? Yeah, I, I think for me it's to help people love and respect themselves, you know, and, and in turn I want to love and respect myself. I think we all come to planet earth and you know every time I crack a solution for someone I love it I love that I can serve them and in return they respect the process that they've gone through and so for me you know if we're on this journey you know we've got to be really clear um, for me it's to be a role model I've got a daughter and whenever I get stuck I think what would I want Michaela to do at 47 years old like what what would I encourage her to do would I encourage her to suck a thumb and cry about it or would I say oh well shake it off become resilient get out there tell your story you know and I, I just want to be that role model and that's that's my driving factor at the moment that's awesome I've, I've heard your story twice now and I'm learning new bits and I love it it's so inspirational thank you Michaela so Kate tell us a bit about where people can find you Yes, so cocomatrix.com and Coco's Kate Osborne, Kent Osborne. So my husband's name is Kent. And this, um, I guess, product removed conflict. Like we stopped fighting, which a lot of couples were interested in that because I could sort of always be a couple of steps ahead, if you know what I mean. Like when he would say something, say, I'm sorry, but is that question relating to the finance, what it's going to cost or the plan, what I've talked about? And so he got the shits early on that I was trying to coach him. Um, and so Coco Matrix really helped me to become more empowered to find my voice, not just in business, but in my relationships at home. And, um, and that's what I want more women to be able to do. So, you know, there's information on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, I've got a link tree, which will take you to all my websites. So, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, or, um, look, just ring me on my mobile. I'm happy for Michaela to pass on my number. Fantastic. And we'll, I'll have all Kate's details in the show notes, including her links. So the last thing I'd like from you, Kate, is what advice would you give a new coach starting their coaching business who say they've just come out of training and they're kind of, they're going, now what? Uh, yes. Well, I, I would suggest the first 12 weeks is the most critical time um, remove all distractions. If this is the occupation that you want to have, 
treat it as a professional occupation. So that means you're dressed and showered and ready to hit the phones or the road or whatever you're going to be doing to prospect from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. Go to every networking event, um, build your alliances. So go back through your personal networks, meet with every accountant, every broker, every lawyer, because in their databases, there's got to be one or two people. They'll flick you to be able to help them because accountants and lawyers see the problems. So if it's a business coach, go to those people. If it's a life coach, go talk to psychologists, talk to, um, you know, large corporations in HR, find those strategic alliances to just say, hey, send me your hardest case and let me work with them. And just, you've got to enter the market with the right attitude that you can get solutions for people. Um, But I would say, yeah, that first 12 weeks fast start is critical. That's awesome advice. And yeah, I, I love your attitude. It's fantastic. Well, Kate, thank you so much for your, for your time. This has been a really cool episode. Excellent. Yeah, I look forward to um, connecting again. Yes, no doubt. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about how we can give you the freedom to coach, then check out our website, www.freedomtocoach.com.au. Until next time, take care and keep on coaching.